podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. City Chronicles is a Media Chronicles production. Inter are playing the club's best football in a generation, but despite an incredible haul of 54 points from 21 games, the league leaders are still only one clear of eternal rivals Juventus. Allegri has made the Bianconeri competitive again, and however much he plays down his side's title chances, the result tonight at San Siro will have a significant say in where the Scudetto ends up come May. But it is, quite simply, Inter Juventus, the deadly Italian. Marco started to wander. Barella's ball in. Pava! He missed it, but it's in! A scrappy goal, but at this stage, they all matter so much for Inter, and they lead in the Derby Italia. Turan didn't claim it. He celebrated nonetheless. Gatti, the unfortunate party, who has put past his own goalkeeper. Inter are the force in Serie A. The Nerazzurri go four points clear at the Serie A summit. They still have a game in hand. And this could be the night when they took a big step towards the Scudetto. A big stride towards the second star on their shirt. A reminder that you can sign up to our Chronicles Tifosi membership on Patreon with a seven-day free trial. Make sure you join the community chat in the Patreon app. Also, please give us a five-star rating, or I'll come for you, and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. It helps us to be found. Hello, and welcome to another... (laughs) Don't laugh, Nikki. Sorry. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Serie A Chronicles. I'm Mina Rizuki, and I'll be your host for today. And as always, I'm joined by the wonderful Nikki Bandini and the, um, the very impressively booming voice of Patrick <laughs> Hendrick. Um, hello, guys. How are you doing on this uh, fine Tuesday morning? I feel like I have to let Patrick respond. After. Yeah, I was worried you were going to say the wonderful Nikki Bandini and the not-so-wonderful Patrick <laughs> Hendrick. So I think on, on that basis, I'll take the uh, the booming voice. It did make me laugh when uh, you said, I'll come for you when you were talking about the uh, seven-day free trial, because off-air, just before we started, we were actually calling Mina Yeri Mina Rizuki. So I like the idea <laughs> of uh, Yeri Mina Rizuki coming for you and uh, and actually sort of going studs up into your into your shin because you haven't signed up for a seven-day trial. So make sure you do. You know what it is? It's uh, I have this sort of um, weird following of Manchester United fans, and I'm, I'm not sure where that comes from because I don't do anything with Manchester United. But what they always do is always say to me, oh, I liked your piece. You should stop being so mean about Lukaku. And that's always something that they say. And I'm like, I haven't mentioned Lukaku in like six months, you know. There I am watching the game yesterday between Roma and Cagliari, and it kept going, Mina's really getting stuck in with Lukaku. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, Lukaku just can't get past me. And I'm thinking, yes, I really feel like it's our own thing. And oh my God, it was really awful. I was actually writing um, a piece as well. And I realized that Lukaku lives rent-free in my head because in my... <laughs> 
Like he does, because I was writing my piece and I said, and then Juventus had a brilliant chance, um, which of course, Lukaku did his best impression, sorry, uh, Vlaovic did his best impression of Lukaku with that hideous first touch. And I was like, then went into a whole thing about how Lukaku and Vlaovic were supposed to be swapped in the summer. And then I just took it all out because I'm like, people are going to be like, she's obsessed with this strength. <laughs> I'd love to like make for like a testimonial, like a Mina Razik testimonial, like an 11 of the players most in Mina's head. Because Pjanic for sure has been there for a long time. We could have captain the side, wouldn't Insignia would captain Yes. Insignia would captain the side and probably take all the penalties. Um, so I think we could get a strong 11 out of it, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of players I don't know, Dybala. <laughs> <laughs> Our producer, Simon, has come up with the, the first thing question that uh, that producer Simon asked me was, would you take Dybala back? And uh, no. Best ability is availability. That's how I like my players. But hello, guys. I mean, there was a brilliant Derby d'Italia over the weekend. There was a part of me that was expecting one of the most hideous games in the world because we know that these will always be tactical matchups. Um, there was a lot of previews to this match, previews to how this game was going to go about. You know, both these teams like to cross. Both these teams have very strong defenses. You know, this will be a low scoring game. And it was, but it was actually of quite a high quality. I thought it was fun to watch. I thought that we got a few answers. I didn't think Juventus were that bad. I thought Inter was spectacular. I, but I certainly feel like regardless of what Allegri and Inzaghi fed us over the weekend about this game not being decisive, just simply important, I disagree entirely. If, if Inter win the game in hand, that's a seven point gap at the top of the, the table. And are you trying to tell me that Inter is going to drop that many points going forward and that Juventus won't drop any? Hmm. Starting to think Juve are definitely out of the race. What do you think, Nikki? I think it felt more decisive for Inter to win it than Juventus to win it, right? Because if Juventus had won it, Inter would still have had the game in hand. And, and the, the, the thing all along that I don't think any of us have really deviated from is that Inter are the better team. That's just, that's just been true since the beginning of the season and, and is still true today. And so when you're looking at a situation and you see the better team now further in front, that does feel more decisive than if the worst team gets its nose in front because you look at it and think, well, okay, but they're still the worst team. There's more vulnerability there. I I don't agree that you can talk about a title race being over in February just because I don't, because I don't think any title race is ever over in, in February, even even maybe last really? season when it was Napoli and they were 15 points clear in February. Maybe that was more of a case, but certainly not, okay. certainly not this season. Um, because I think there are still things that could significantly derail this entertainment. In fact, especially now that the transfer window has closed, but I think those things are mostly the sort of horrible things you don't want to think about, like injuries. I think if Lautaro was to go down with a big injury, that would be a, a major question mark over how they would handle that over season. Not that they don't still have good players, of course. Marcus Trump's been brilliant, but the drop-off is going to be huge. You're talking about one of the best players in the world. And I think that probably I would say the same about, is even though they're much more robust in midfield, I think I might say the same thing about Chalanoglu at this point. I think Chalanoglu is so fundamental to the way they play. I think even the Champions League final last season, the fact that when Brozovic came back in, he was no longer playing in that Ajista role in the middle, I think hurt them. I think he's been, for the last year and a half at least, really playing at a sublime level. I think he he's, I've tried to talk about him sometimes, but probably still haven't tried hard enough and loud enough 
about how good he is. And now everyone has seen that past the weekend and I think is waking up to it a little bit. Um, so I think, I think there are still things that can change this story. I think the fact that Inter do have the Champions League coming up can change this story. But having said that, when you look at the run they've just been on, they start the year and we all looked at the fixture list and thought, oh, you know, two tough games in the Supercoppa, coming back and, and playing Juventus in the league, playing Fiorentina in the league, that could be tough. And it hasn't been tough. They haven't conceded a goal in any of those four games. Um, they are clearly the best team, as we've been saying all along. Patrick, you really don't disagree with that. I mean, they've played, what, 30, 30 games already to Juventus' 24, 25. Um, so I wonder sometimes whether, you know, when you're playing a big match like Juventus, regardless of how tired you are, the adrenaline of that, you know, that your San Siro against the most heated rivals will help you carry through. But is there a point that we're going to see a more exhausted Inter? Because right now, it is just top quality, despite how many matches there's been in January alone. No, it's weird. I was actually thinking exactly the same when Nikki was making her point that only injuries can really derail this team. And it does look like it's a sort of gufata. It looks as if we're wishing ill upon Inter. It's not that at all. Um, <clears throat> there was a, a viral clip, I remember, I think it was last season, going around Mauro Suma, the Milan club commentator, who went on this big rant. He was like, they never get injuries. And everyone was like, you know, this is, he's really irritated by it. But the reason they don't get injuries, apart from the fact that you can, I mean, we don't know, we're not party to what they do on the training ground every day at Apiano Gentile, but clearly they're doing something right in terms of strength and conditioning, their fitness coaching and all of that. But also Inzaghi knows how to rotate his players. He always swaps his wing backs after 65, 70 minutes. And they're the players that expend the most energy which uh, we they, kill him for sometimes when it goes wrong. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I, I think he's got that right now. I think he's always, probably statistically, if you were to look back over his uh, time in charge of Inter, because the whole time he's been at Inter, there has, it has been since the advent of five substitutions, which lest, which lest we forget came after the, um, the pandemic. And I think he's always used his five substitutions and he's now blessed with a squad whereby he does have two, if not three alternatives for every position. Because even if... Uh, he wants to mix it up further. You know, he can occasionally bring on a, a he can bring on De Vray and then push a Cherby to left centre back, which allows him to take off Bastoni and so on and so forth. So, I'm of the opinion that I, I don't see Juventus getting back into it. I don't think the title race is over, but I tend to agree with you. Four points plus a game in hand. It's not just any game in hand. It's it's yeah, still it Atalanta. So, mm-hmm. albeit it's Atalanta at San Siro, not in Bergamo. Even then. Inter are one of only two teams to have won in, in Bergamo so far this season. The other one, Napoli, Valter Mazzari's first game in charge. Yes. Um, but um, I, I think it's, we had a similar situation in the past when Giroud scored that brace against Inter. When Inter led in the derby, that was in 2022, pretty much two years ago to the day. Uh, Inter were going seven points clear, I think, with a game in hand. And then Giroud obviously turned that match around and Inter went on to lose that, that game in hand against Bologna. But this Nerazzurri team has come on leaps and bounds since then. They've got a lot more self-belief. They've, they've won trophies since then. They've been to the Champions League final. I just, to me, it looks like, it looks like a hundred point season for them. Um, my only, wow, that we, much. <clears throat> I think so. And, I think it all comes down to their Champions League endeavours now. If, if, because there, there's, I'm very keen to get your guys' thoughts on it because there's sort of two schools of thought here. The one is that if you've got a big lead in the title race, you can then start playing the reserves in the league and just focus on picking your strongest 11 
for the Champions League. I think that's less relevant because what we're talking about now with five substitutions. And the other school of thought is you need to be pushed hard domestically so that you are playing your best football every single game for when those big European games come along. I don't know whether it's a help or a hindrance if in to build a bigger lead now ahead of Atletico Madrid and then perhaps into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. I personally don't believe in these things. I, I I don't think that there's a pattern. I don't know if there's one way that wins over the other way. But I want to go back to your substitutions because you said that he always rotates his wing backs, which is true. You're right, actually. I've never so that's probably why they're in such great condition. But do you think that he rotates the midfielders enough or that he because it I feel like it's always sort of the starting eleven with them, whereas I see a lot more change in the other teams. And and I wonder whether I don't know, say you lose Chalanoglu, um, which you can see that it hurt them against Fiorentina because they lost Barella and Chalanoglu, but say they lose one of them, even if it's for three weeks, you know, like, are they prepared to go ahead with Aslani? Um, and, and, and that's the only thing that I'm not entirely sure that the second string are up to the same level of, of the first team. Yeah, but they aren't, and that's why they're the second string. I, I think Patrick <laughs> made a really good point about, like, the, um, about the, the, um, five institutions, but I, I'm with you, Mina, like, Broadly, I, I think that, that there are certain places that get rotated and some that don't. And you mm. said went straight to the midfield. Like, my brain goes straight to Marco Arnautovic. Somehow yeah. not scoring again. Like, you know, Marco Arnautovic and Alexis Sanchez are not really like anywhere near the same level as, as Lautaro and Turam. So yes, if you, if you lose your attack, you've got some big questions you're going to have to answer. Um, and, and I, I do think in terms of midfield, it's really interesting because there are some players who I think I'd like to see start a little bit more. I'd like to see Fratesi start some more games, uh, given we're talking about this and, and the number of games. Uh, he's, he's played a lot of games. And I think that five substitution thing is, is, is a really interesting point, like I say. But he's only started two in Serie A all season. Um, and, and, and I suppose that's where Inzaghi would come back to. The thing he sort of, because actually I think, um, I think in, I think, I, first of all, I think I'm slightly worried with being like too, could we get a title race and, and picking for things that could go wrong about this when actually we probably should be saying, God, Inter are brilliant. They're brilliant. Yeah, they really are. As good as Inter are. They're brilliant. Um, and I, I really hope they show it against Atletico because I think that there is this tendency still, even after they went to the final last season in the rest of Europe to overlook them a bit. And I, I think they're so good. I think they're really, really still in the very top teams in Europe this season. Um, but I, I do, um, I do think that that's kind of in amongst everything that Inzaghi's sort of been doing right. I think he sort of betrayed it himself in the pre-match comments about saying, hey, you know, when Napoli did this last season, they had a massive buffer. We still don't have this buffer. And I think maybe that is what he's hoping to finally get and might give him a chance to feel more confident starting some games without the untouchables, if you want to call them that, in the team. You know, it's interesting because we, we always talk about, I've noticed this recently, that when we talk about teams, it's always sort of Pioli's mean and then a lot of talk about Stefano Pioli, a lot of talk about Allegri's Juve, you know, Allegri's different points as a coach. But with, when it comes to Inter, we talk a lot more about the team than we do about Inzaghi. I'm not sure if he gets enough plaudits for everything that he's managed to do. And one of the interesting points that I was listening to, oh, again, I, I'm sorry, this is not my point. I heard it somewhere, but how Inzaghi always prefers to have two ball players 
like Mkhitaryan and Chalnoglu, right, rather than have another sort of, you know, um, Fratesi and Barella and just one ball player, if you like. And it's that that has made the difference because it allows for, you know, this perfect combination and something that Juventus don't have because they just don't have enough ball players in their team. Um, and it's I think amazing. You see more than that. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking too much, but like Pavard as yeah. well, coming on from defence and finding himself in Precise. attack half the time. Pavard was again brilliant in this game. They've got a whole team of really flexible, fluid ball-playing players. It's extraordinary. Who can invert positions, who can, you know, com- combine... Be- like, it is a ridiculous squad in how they rotate positions and how they're also tactically flex- flexible, how they understand their positions. You know, we talk so much about Spalletti's type of football, but doesn't Zaghi's brand of football get any applauded? And, and I just don't know whether... Loads. I mean, when we start mentioning, we mentioned Deserbi as one of the best Italian coaches. We mentioned Antonio Conte. I mean, both of them makes me want to shoot myself in the face. But do we? Why don't we mention Inzaghi? The guy is reached the Champions League final. He's won every cup competition, practically speaking. He might. He's probably you know odds on to win this title. Why don't we rate Simone Inzaghi as being one of the very best in Italy? I, so- I just. Yeah, I think we do rate him. I don't know whether we do, we don't necessarily rate him as one of the very best because I think we'd probably all agree that Inter have started the last two seasons before this one as favourites and didn't win the Scudetto on either occasion. They lost out to Pioli's Milan. And I don't like that revisionism where people say Milan weren't the best team, Inter had the best team, Inter bottled the Scudetto. They didn't. Milan won the Scudetto with 86 mm. points. They went 16 unbeaten. They won their last six games. They kept nine clean sheets in their last 11 games. It was title-winning form in any season, and they were a very good squad. Rafael Liao was unbelievable. They had Kalulu and Tomori and Menyon all at the top of their game, and Milan Kessie. deserved to win the league. But and and Kessie as well. And but at the start of that season, Inter were reigning champions. Inzaghi inherited a very strong squad from Antonio Conte. Yes, there were departures, but. You know, they, they started as, as they started as favorites. Last season, Napoli sold off all of their senior players. And whilst they recruited well, and hindsight told us that Kvaratshelia was fantastic, Kim Min Jae was defender of the year, and so on and so forth. No one expected Napoli to win the league when they got rid of Koulibaly, Mertens, Insigne, Fabian Ruiz, Ospina, etc. So I think. Because he hasn't yet won the league, we can't necessarily say that he is one of the best coaches in Italy, if not in Europe. I think as and when he wins the league, and I think that comes very soon, then we can start to say this is a coach who has won the Super Cup three years from as many seasons, uh, three times from as many seasons uh, at Inter. He won the Coppa Italia twice in his first two seasons. He took them to the Champions League final. They might even go as far as the semifinals, if not deeper in the Champions League this season. So I think the question mark surrounding Inzaghi uh, is still there and it's more of an asterisk, asterisk than anything else. To me, it's he will be considered a world-class coach or on his way to becoming such as and when he wins a league title because I think you still need to win those. If and, you know, unless you do a Carlo Ancelotti who does still win league titles, don't get me wrong, but you know, if you win Doesn't so ma- if you win so many European trophies to compensate for maybe not win- because all right. Pep Guardiola's made a bit of a mockery of it, really, I guess, with that treble last season. Um, but typically it was either you win the league every year, you know, a bit like Mourinho was doing in the early portion of his career, um, or you someone like Ancelotti, who maybe he doesn't always win the league, but he often wins the Champions League, whereas now you do get coaches that are able to do both. Um, and I think what we're seeing now is that Simon Inzaghi needs, I think he's got the ability to challenge in Europe and also, also challenge domestically. Do you think if 
an Inter fan is presented with the option right now of we'll guarantee you this league title but the Champions League run this time ends last 16 it goes no further do you think most would sign for that or do you think did you think they'd want the European run as well oh as in gamble on both now you mean Oh, okay. I I think I'd gamble. It feels like a pretty good gamble, right? Like you, you, yeah, you I, think, I think if you'd asked them the question three days ago, they'd have signed up for the league <laughs> yeah, title. I maybe. think after beating Juventus going four clear with a game in hand, I think they'd say, we'll take our chances. We'll back ourselves yeah. to, to win the league and see how far we can go in the, in the Champions League. Okay. I don't like, actually. Who wants to be a millionaire? Do you want to take the money or do you want to keep going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't disagree. I'm, here's the thing, Patrick, I agree entirely with you when it comes to how we judge Simone and Zaghi and what the, the objectives would be for him to be considered that. What I find sort of, I guess I do find it annoying in the sense that certain coaches aren't asked to do that. They just play a pretty brand, brand of football. And despite the fact that they can be thrashed by Luton, it, it's fine. You know, whereas like, and, and, and Nikki, I'm just really not doing it just to come. manager of Mina's uh, testimonial. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anyone's but suggesting that Dezerbi's at the same level as Inzaghi, though. I think do Dezerbi- you think Inzaghi would be linked to the Liverpool job? Why wouldn't he be linked to the Liverpool job? I find it as... I think like, he has why is been, he... but probably... Well, because he doesn't speak anything other than Italian. He's still quite provincial. I, I, I've got a lot of time for Simone Inzaghi, but he's he's like a... a, a and I'm not saying by any means, I mean... We can't I, uh, call Lazio I, provinciale. We can't. No, no. I mean, look what he did with Lazio. Please, let me, please let me finish before you... Uh, before you, you misconstrue what I'm saying. No, no, I'm saying he's still a bit provincial in the sense that he's still very Italy-centric. Um, okay. I've been with him in the past when people have have mistakenly said to him, "Okay, we'll do this interview with you in English," and he's like a rabbit in the headlights, like English, English, no, 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 which is fine. Don't get me wrong. And no one is saying that to be a no one is saying to be a top class coach, you necessarily have to speak foreign languages. In fact, it's one of my real bugbears. Again, I'm talking as a as a language professional, that football coaches don't use interpreters more as opposed to this, you know, I think Maurizio Sarri would have benefited from having a, an English interpreter at Chelsea. I think Conte would have benefited as well. That's that's my soapbox rant for another day. But I think yeah. that Simone Inzaghi is probably not linked to those jobs because he's not current, you know, De Zerbi is someone who a handful of times a season will get an eye-catching win over Man United or Chelsea. He's in the Premier League. They're familiar with his team. They're watching them every week. And we know that the Premier League is obsessed with the Premier League. So it's only natural that people see De Zerbi and say, OK, he's the bright young thing from Italy because he's broadened his horizons. But Simone Inzaghi is operating at a completely different plane to De Zerbi. Let's be honest. Yeah, but that I think that's actually what I love about this Inter team and, and Inzaghi is, you know, I was... Um, of course, an Arsenal fan, I was watching Arsenal-Liverpool, which was, um, as an Arsenal fan, certainly a very entertaining game, was game played at, at a sort of high tempo with that, with the good Premier League energy. The Premier League is not always that great, but, but that was a good Premier League game. And I was had um, Atalanta-Lazio on at the same time as that, and I, I'm enjoying Atalanta this season, but it, it did feel like it wasn't zipping about the same pace. And then you got to Inter-Juve, and Inter did live up to that. No, because they are, because they are that level of team. They are a team that mm. belongs in that same bracket as as the best in Europe and and frankly I think um right now have every reason to put themselves above Liverpool and Arsenal given they were in the Champions League final last season and I think that the rest of Europe doesn't always acknowledge that about this Inter team I think they really are it's not that they're not I, I completely actually I think you've made a, a really valid point about Inzaghi and his Italianness but this is not 
uh, a provincial team that he's managing no, no. now. It's, this is a team all. playing top level European football. And this is despite, I mean, it's, it's like I remember it was September and James and I were doing a show together at James Horncast. And they said, Who do you think is the worst run team in Serie A? And he sort of laughed and said it was Inter um, because of everything that had happened over the summer with how the emotional they got about the Lukaku transfer, with the fact that they didn't replace, um, that they had Arnautovic as the last minute buy. Um, just, you know, like, just looked at, oh, that they didn't have a, a goalkeeper and they had to wait on Anana being, you know, sold before they could go for somebody so they couldn't go for a young prospect. And th- there was a lot of chat and we both laughed and we both agreed on the fact that Inter had done a few mistakes over the summer. And the fact of the matter is they get stronger every year, regardless of how many great players come and go. And I just, I mean, they lose Lukaku, they have Marcus Turam who's better. They lose Ashraf Hakimi and yes, the, the rep, you know, Dumfries isn't that. Neither is Damian. And yet they're still essential. I mean, Di Marco has grown into one of the world's greatest. Mick Italian, where was this at Roma? Mick Italian's been so good. It's just incredible the way that he is playing. I mean, it's lights Mm. out at the moment. And anyway. I do think that we've talked a lot about Inter, but I do want to yeah, talk I, a little bit I about Juventus. Just one thing with Inter really quickly before, sure. because anyone to you is just completely right. But I just, um, this is the big, I guess, uh, sort of Damocles holding and hanging over them is debt. And they have, you know, last year they brought their, uh, they brought down. their losses down in the last year's account to about 80 million euros from 140 million. So big improvement, but it's still 80 million euros of losses on their last year's account while they have more than 300 million euros in outstanding loans. So, you're absolutely right. They've done miracles in the transfer market. They may need to continue to do miracles to sustain this in the in the long run. But right now, this season, um, I think the football is is once again scintillating. It really is. It really is. I mean, here's the thing: like for the way that Inter are playing, I did expect them to sort of. I mean, this is especially true of the reverse fixture. I thought they would thrash Juventus, and then I was really surprised that it was a draw. Um, and I was explaining that they were so good, and everyone's like, yeah, but didn't they need an own goal to win this game? And I don't know how to explain how good Inter is. And the way, to, the best way to explain it is the way that Gazetta put it, because I thought it was honestly the best sentence I'd read. And it said that this game could have been much worse had it not been for Chesney's saves that should be investigated by the Vatican because of the miracle because of how miraculous they were in nature and i just thought it's true they should be they should be investigated by the vatican because they were just such unbelievable saves um and gazetta had this whole poll on which would be the 10 11 the starting 11 that you would pick from both teams and the only player from juventus who made it to the final 11 was bremer who came up with that ridiculous challenge and he absolutely is one of the finest defenders i'd ever seen um, but is that it? Is 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 Juventus that much in, inferior in terms of talent to what Inter are? And are you surprised by the fact that actually they were pretty good? I, I didn't think that they were hideous. I don't think their attacking game um, is good enough. I had a chat with a with a Twitter fan that I absolutely love um, called Elio Salerno, and we both can't decide whether it's Allegri not being able to get the best out of the team going forward from his attack, that he relies a lot on individual brilliance in attack, or whether Vlaovic, Keza and Yildiz are either too young or not good enough when you compare them to the likes of Tevez and Higuain and Dybala before that to be players that you can really rely on. I don't think you can... I don't think it serves a great purpose harking back to the, the good old days, however tempting that might be albeit Allegri did allude to that with his comments post-match saying, we're a young team, we're on a different 
journey here, essentially. He said, we're still developing as a side. A lot of the players involved tonight don't have that big, big match experience compared with, with what Inter do, which is an astonishing True. statement given how quickly things have changed just a few short years ago when it was only Juventus having that sort of experience. And their nearest challenges were on, on alternate years, almost Napoli or Roma and, and Inter and Milan were, were, were also runs for best part of a decade. In terms of the combined best 11, I mean, it's very subjective. Personally, I, I would take, I would probably take Bremer. Um, I think there's an argument for Danilo as well. I'm a big Pavar fan, don't get me wrong, but I think Danilo has, has done it at Serie A level for a lot longer than, than Pavar, who's, who's having a very good, very good season. In a, in a very well-oiled machine, and I think he had an outstanding game. But uh, I would pick Rabiot ahead of Mkhitaryan and on left central mm-hmm. midfield in a, in a five-man midfield as well. I think he offers a lot more, um, both in terms of his his goal scoring and and also just his his ability to keep the ball. I think there's big disservice done to a lot of Juventus players. Um, what about so, Chesney? And I would probably take him as a, as a pure goalkeeper as well. I think um, Sommer's better with his feet, but I think, yes, Chesner was absolutely outstanding against Inter. And I'd reject the notion slightly that, yes, Inter could have won the game more convincingly, but part of that comes down to the fact that the onus was on Juventus to not lose the game. It wasn't must win for either side. It was must not lose for Juventus, and they did lose. So therefore, they had to open up in the second half, having gone in trailing by a goal to nil because of that unfortunate own goal um and so therefore you get you get two opportunities when they're basically caught on the counter i don't think it was into bombarding the by any means uh i think you know one of them is that lovely basically it's a give and go between barella and, and di marco then knocks it back to the back post and strangely makes himself big and it's his trailing leg that keeps it out the Arnautovic one is a bit of both it's brilliant goalkeeping because he manages to not only get down very quickly, but as he gets down, he makes himself very big to get get his arms up. And Arnautovic did what he needed to to try and lift it over him. It was just a combination of Arnautovic not getting enough loft on it and and Shane's making a big save. So I don't think it was as one sided as it's obvious when you look back at it and you watch the highlights and you you hear from what Simone Inzaghi says and he's like, yeah, we could have won by a bigger scoreline. I think it doesn't reflect the the actual nature of the game. That is true, but equally. You know, that's what football hinges on big moments. I think if Vlahovic controls that ball or shoots first time in the first half and Juventus go 1-0 up, I think there's definitely a parallel universe whereby maybe it fin- finishes one all like the reverse fixture or maybe Juventus win and suddenly we're talking about a completely different title race and we're speculating as to Inter's ability to bounce back having lost for only the second time this season. But I mean, football I'm- comes down to big moments and Vlahovic didn't take it. So, I mean, that's the question. I, I imagine that if Higuain was available for Juventus this season rather than Vlaovic. Um, I also want to just tell our, our Chronicles to Fosu Patreons that uh, we do have a special episode coming up about some of the movements that happened in the transfer market, um, what the teams invested in, what the teams didn't invest in, um, into just Port Buchanan, for example. So ideally, perhaps they should have bought another striker and gotten rid of Alexis Sanchez, like some people thought. But Juventus did by Alcaraz, who came on at the very end. Um, let's see how that's going to go forward for them. But Nikki, would you agree that perhaps if, you know, I mean, Vlaovic gets booked on the 18th minute, you know, he's so, I, I think of him as being like Zaza, you know, when he's so desperate to make an impression. I mean, he's obviously a lot more talented, but sometimes it's like that enthusiasm just hurts him more than it, it helps. And, you know, where where's the calm under pressure? Yeah, I mean, I I think like I kind of want to push back it. Not that I, I not that I think because 
Push back, push back. I want to push back on what Patrick was saying. Not not because I think that there's no argument for some of these players, but I think, for instance, Chesney, I think Chesney's fine. He had a good game, had a really good game. And I think That's he can reactually say a couple of great saves, but I think, I think he's just yeah, fine. Speaks I don't the think Arsenal fan in you. I yeah. think he's not a particularly special goalkeeper. I think he, he's had moments in his career where he gets overrated because he makes a couple of good saves and he has other times where he makes bad mistakes. Like, That's true. like a normal, solid goalkeeper. He's not awful. I just think he's, he's not, he's not that special. And given that Sommer mm. has, what, 14 clean sheets in 22 games, I think I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. I, yeah, I but Onana had that. Thing. And look at what's going on with Onana now. Well, how, I mean, how everyone many saves does Sommer have to make every game? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but. But that's yeah, the exactly. Point, like, what, that's what Matarazzi said. Think is the point. No, no, it is the point. Mat- you Matarazzi said, said what's more important to have in your keeper if you're not going to give up that many shots most games? You think- Head to seriachronicles.com forward slash Patreon now and subscribe to the Chronicles Tifosi Patreon membership with a free seven-day trial. Get early access to every full-length episode and voice note before the rest of the world. Plus, all episodes are 100% ad-free. And you get bonus Patreon-only exclusive episodes, video episodes, and behind-the-scenes extras. Also, be sure to join the new chat community in the Patreon app and chat with fellow subscribers. Podcast Network.